Last time on Base Funk. How are friends in the Order of the Merciful Sword? If you're dead, it's a little more difficult to not obey, so some of them are compliant and some of them are compliant. I can always count on you, Veltari. So no blasting the next one we see! They don't bleed blood or any natural-looking liquid, for that matter, but some other type of fluid that, as far as we can tell, moves on its own accord. Uh, some notable features about Wolf in particular, he has this shovel, he's also wearing um, a scarf under that, there's like peeking out, the bottom of some sort of like amulet. I want some answers, you want friends. That's completely fine, I'm not judging you. I don't have any friends in this town either, really. Rude! I mean, I mean, it was interesting, and then there was the mob, and they had torches, and that was bad, and then I ran away. And then I was like, I'm going to hide in the rainbow. This speaks to me that, sh- that, they're, that she's a Shadark High, right? And so they, they're like inherently dark, but not inherently evil. So they have right. like some command over like shadows and shadow magic and death. And they have like strong belief in body modification. So there's like ritual scarification and piercing and stuff. That's part of their culture. Yeah. Sylvia Bell, correct? That's me. Sylvia Bell. Illusionist. Witch. Chef. Is there only three of you? I thought there was also going to be Devil and Tower. A Drake ghost. Like, not all the ghosts died here. I think some of the ghosts died somewhere else and were, like, on their way to the afterlife and, like, accidentally went through the Aurora. When you are there, when you were there, did you see anybody acting suspiciously? Blood Mountain was playing fetch with his pets. I mean, normally ghosts aren't able to really touch or affect people directly, right? I, like, make real stuff out of fake stuff and like fake stuff out of real stuff so when you soul bond like i gave it some of my materialness does that make sense like we we were soul buddies maybe that would guide your cards which is the hermit alice that's what i thought too right off the top of my head yeah that's a very good thought wind wall from outside because it has a range of 120 feet okay and then teleport you notice that when Zoe teleports away, and where she appears on the other side of the fence, she leaves behind magical residue again. Bumbershoot can't lie in front of him, right? It won't work. You knew who I was, and you knew what vampires need. You asked for my help anyway. Chains are beginning to creep over the front door of the sacrum, like vines, like kudzu. Pineapple, I'm being dragged to hell by the warden. Tell the rest. So I think the most important thing to do at the top of this show is to introduce the new voice to the listeners, uh, because this is an audio medium, and uh, that's important. Indeed, new voices are scary things. Who am I? Who knows? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. 
uh, Now We're All Ghosts, which is thematically appropriate. Yes, it is. Uh, why don't you tell the people uh, who you are, what you do, and uh, anything else you want? I can't stop you. I'm not your dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, my name's Laura. I go by Laura K. Buzz most places on the internet. I am a full-time games critic, and I quite enjoy D&D. I've occasionally run 5th edition one-shots that I've put out myself. I sometimes play in other people's campaigns, and apparently... I'm a cool enough person to get invited to come be on a cool, awesome, super great podcast. So, hello. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No one told me that we had to be cool to be invited to this. I should probably just see myself out at this point. Right? It was like an Avengers thing where you all had to do like one cool thing to get recruited. Like Sketch did a soundtrack for a movie and I was like, he's in. And Laura fooled the entire internet by 3D printing a PlayStation oh or my. something. Yeah, I, 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 I 3D print a bunch of stuff that's not real. I'm just like, PS4 Slim? Nah, that can't be real. Except Laura had one, so Sony decided to make it, I guess. That was a weird thing that happened. <laughs> actual journalist accomplishments on dice funk this week uh do you want to tell the people where they can like find your stuff because i'm very bad at all of the the, the promotion that's all right yeah laura k buzz pretty much everywhere laura k buzz on twitter laura k buzz on youtube laura k buzz on patreon that's what pays the bills so i can do stuff full time just just if there's a service i'm probably laura k buzz on it Nice. I think the most exciting thing to me is not just that we're getting new perspectives and new storytelling opportunities, but also that now two people have names which are nearly identical, which is like a really good experience for everyone. We also both have blue hair, so I'm just like- I was about to say that! Oh my god. (laughs) I'm I'm so excited to be on a podcast with someone else that has blue hair and almost the same name, just so that everyone can get confused, because we're clearly the same person. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, although your your characters are like almost opposites, yeah, we'd struggle to make them much more different. I think, <laughs> at least height wise, probably. Yeah, mine mine's like six foot four. I think. Oh hell! Oh gosh! About as tall as Roland is. So, so there's two different dynamics we could go with here, which is uh, <laughs> daddy, mommy, and their <laughs> shitty kids, or <laughs> daddy Roland and the girl gang. Which are both very good dynamics, frankly. I mean, I'm not sure which one is more appropriately anime, but uh, we can figure that out as we go. I think. I I I am perfectly good with either. I I I'm I'm good with however this rolls. Yeah, I'm excited. Why don't you tell us about your character before we introduce them into the narrative proper? We got a little taste at the beginning of the last episode, but now why don't you just lay it all out? Yep, I'm pulling up my bit of paper that reminds me what I made this character to be. <laughs> so uh, I I have a character called Veltari, who is a tiefling bard. Uh, she is 25. I believe uh, tieflings generally age at about the same rate as humans, but, you know, live a little bit longer. So, you know, about the same sort of age as a 25-year-old human would be. Six foot four, chaotic evil alignment, which is always fun. <laughs> Um, she is unclear tiefling, tiefling ancestry, she's got curled horns, purple skin, thin leathery tail, and she's, she's the kind of chaotic evil character that's basically just a little bit like, hey, we live in a world where sometimes people are born in shitty situations, and that's not great, therefore evil is totally justified. What I, what I want is what I want, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get what's mine. So... Mm-hmm. That's that's the the cliff notes. Do you want do you want some more? Should I keep going on Veltari? 
I mean, as much as you think it's important for people to know, because when I hear chaotic evil, I think, oh, she kicks puppies. But there's like a couple of different ways to interpret that, because it could also be a spectrum from selfishness to altruism. And I think you've established that she's, you know, she's out for her own needs, not necessarily mm. to, uh, you know, Dr. Doom up in this bitch. Yeah, she's she's not on the Dr. Doom end of the uh, the chaotic evil spectrum. She's very much on the I want what's best for me. And that is always going to be my priority kind of kind of character. Um, the other way I sort of interpret it is like, you're not going to let other people dictate to you how or what you're going to do in some ways. It, exactly. Um, so a little, little bit of like basic background stuff on Veltari. As a tiefling, she had a human mother who abandoned her very young, and she's very sort of... Had to get by scavenging, and I think a lot of that just plays is what built up this whole character in her. That's like, if I need something, I will get that done. She's not devoid of sympathy. If people have similar backgrounds to her, she might be sympathetic or empathetic. But it is very much sort of, I'm not gonna let you decide what I do with my life because, you know, if if you're in the way of what I want, I'm gonna go for what I want because that's what I want. That's that's basically what it boils down to. Like she she might be sympathetic to some people, but if someone gets in her way, she won't be afraid to just like murder them. Just just occasionally, occasional murder is not going to phase her. I do like how we improved that uh, opening bit, that little tease, and I said, uh, "So how are our friends?" And you're like, "Oh, I murdered them." <laughs> I was like, "I'm not actually prepared for that." You were just like, oh, "I'm going in. This is how I, I roll. I'm going in." Yeah, no, I, I, I just get the feeling that if someone got in the way of what she was trying to do, she's not going to have a moral conundrum about should I kill people. It's just no, no, I killed them. They, they were in the way of what I was sent to do. They're dead now. They're no longer in the way of what I was sent to do. So that's good. Speaking of what you were sent to do. So currently, as listeners know, you are on a mission from Count Danto, the vampire who mm. what is in exile right now. We know from Bumbershoot Von Victrola's backstory that uh, Count Danto sired him, but then they were kind of uh, forced to flee from the town they lived in, which they call Fangslovania because <laughs> Liana's a goobus. But so right now, you know this and you can do what you want with this information. But you know that Count Danto is in hiding and currently trying to engineer uh, a takeover of another town so that he can kind of bring himself back into power. And so using people like you, he is like subverting and corrupting other organizations to bring this about, including the Order of the Merciful Sword, which was the order that Roland Hawklight used to belong to as part of his backstory so you know in character that count danto now controls that and you know that he's about to do some a bunch of other pretty heinous stuff so that might come into play it might not it's totally up to you i I think i think the way that i've sort of in character reasoned working with that is just danto's been nice to me generally people are not nice to tieflings they assume that we are inherently evil and as such danto's nice to me and working for him gave me a stable just general quality of life consistency so i i wasn't really too fussed about what he was doing it's like i'll 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 do what you need me to do as long as you keep a comfortable broom and board over my head Mm mm-hmm and that's about as far as uh, Feltari's interest in, like, yeah, I, I know he probably shouldn't be doing what he's doing, but it's not getting in the way of what I want, so I'll let him do his thing. <laughs> he found, like, your infiltration skills useful, because I don't know if you've mentioned your class and background, but they're actually, like, super important. 
yeah, I, I I mentioned that I am a bard, um, which is not necessarily the standard way to play a tiefling, but um, she's an entertainer background bard. A lot of her sort of just day-to-day getting by growing up was by busking. And having a sort of entertainer's background, she has gotten very good at getting into places, making sure people sort of have a generally decent opinion of her, so that she can get what she needs to do done and get out without pissing too many people off, which made her pretty useful to Danto as someone that could just get missions done and get back before people really realized what had happened. Yeah, and specifically, there's several different kinds of bards you can be. You're the murder bard. <laughs> oh like... yeah, I am I am the murder bard. I went with College of, of Valor. I am like, I'm going to kill people and I'm going to help other people to kill people. So you have a you have a short sword and a guitar on your back. We had this uh, kind of character building conversation. We're like, is a lute the closest thing to guitar? Because I kind of want to do like the closest thing to guitar. And I was like, you can just have a guitar, homie. Yeah, no, I I was I was asking like, how can we enchant a lute? And it's like, no, just just you can have a guitar. So like, I I see her her kind of music is basically like the fantasy equivalent of mid two thousands angsty emo rock. <laughs> Mm, I identify with this character maybe a little too much. Six foot four, angsty, music lover. <laughs> it's a very uh, appealing. Six foot four, huh? Hmm. Yep, she's she's a very tall lady. No, I'm I'm saying that's Austin. It's like six four four, huh? It's me. I, are you six foot four? I am. I had no idea about that. That was that was completely accidental on my part. <laughs> um. So I'm trying to think. Anything else we need to establish before jumping in? What happened was after Danto assigned you that mission, he called in a favor to uh, for a wizard to teleport you outside of Ilium. So you kind of appear at dusk, like the sun's going down. It's like a very beautiful sunset on the horizon, and there's all these lilies that you're in this field with, and it's all it's very like serene and beautiful, and you're all alone. And then in front of you, there's just this a massive wall of colorful light, and you're just standing there. And uh, I mean, how do you approach this? Well, I, I think we acknowledged in advance that I know that there's probably not going to be any coming back through this barrier. Yeah. That this is probably a one-way trip, so... I, I think Veltari's totally okay with that, but she's still going to have to sort of just take a nice deep breath and just walks through it in a couple of very strong strides, just walks straight through the barrier. Nice and confident. It's good. Yeah. Because you're immediately met by a sight... Uh, that you pro- probably weren't expecting, which is there's a roiling thunderstorm gathered over this t- this town inside this barrier, and it is just alive with lightning, and th- the storm is just apparently growing like before your eyes, which is very disconcerting, and the rain is starting to come down, and people are coming out of their little houses like looking around like, what, what the hell is going on? It doesn't rain here. And then in the distance, you can hear the sound of what can only be described as battle um, and the the whooshing of wind, as uh, you will soon find out there is a bit of a skeleton war going on. I decide to just confidently walk towards the sounds of battle, because I know mm-hmm. I know what Bumbershoot's like. If there's battle going on, he probably caused it, is my thinking, <laughs> that he, it's prob- he's probably in that direction. 
Yeah, and I like the idea that you like walk in right by the sign, which says like Count Danto help. You can come in, but you can't go out. Yeah. And you're just like you just nod at it and you're like, All right, I guess if he needs help, I hear the sound of someone who probably needs help. Exactly. I don't I don't stop to pet and like to think like, oh, are there any notes on it? It's just like, nope. That there's the sounds of fighting, that's probably where I'm supposed to be going. I wouldn't have been sent here otherwise. Yeah. And so the sounds of fighting are at the end of the last episode, Zoe Legrand made a 50-foot wind wall to nuke all these skeletons. Then she teleported through it, and she's inside the house where she believes she will find the secret to unlock the mystery of the mission they are currently on. But outside, uh, Roland Hawklight, Theodora the Nixie, and a Shadar Kai named Sylvia Bell are uh, surrounded by all kinds of very uh, disheveled and broken skeletons who are kind of pulling themselves together. They all have these bony spears, and they're going to they're going to defend their home. So why don't we roll a little bit of combat? Uh, you guys are going to go first, but if you want to roll initiative between yourselves, Lauren, uh, Skitch. Yeah, I rolled a three. So oh, such a slow boy. Yeah, that's that's what happens uh, when you don't have dexterity. I rolled a six. Oh no! So you guys have the drop because Zoe like blew the first wave of them away but they're pulling themselves together and they're going to start approaching you there's a lot of them there's about 20 30 of them so you guys have first go but there's a lot and they're coming oh man i have to go first yeah you rolled first an initiative oh heck i can use produce flame as like to set them on fire right yeah you you produce flame has a offensive application i rolled a 23 (laughs) nice so you produce some flame and you just chuck it at the the skeleton who rushes ahead first yes. and roll me 2d8 damage. We're not going to fight all two dozen of these fools, but we want to get us a general sense of how the battle is going. Our seven damage. All right. So that's okay. So you hit the skeleton and you kind of scorch him up and he is not looking particularly happy. Roland, how do you contribute to this? Quick question. During the time that we were at Sylvia's place uh, earlier, would that have been enough time to be considered a short rest between when he used his channel divinity earlier in the day? Oh, yeah. I mean, that chili was revitalizing. Although, wait, hold on. You had the vegetarian option. Hmm. Let me think about this. <laughs> Does that count? Sure. It was filled with electrolytes. Okay. Yeah, you're good. So, um, effectively, uh, Roland sees that the skeletons are closing in and are not able to talk about it. So, pulls out his sword and invokes a sacred weapon as his bonus action to make his weapon now a magical weapon and also emit a light out to about 40 feet, so it becomes a bit of a beacon, <laughs> for that matter. And then he turns around and delays as long as he can to attack the nearest skeleton, but when he gets too close and threatens, he will attack and just make that happen there. So that's going to be a d20 plus 10 for the attack roll, 29 for the hit there for his first attack. Yeah, you do all, all the damage, presumably. <laughs> Yeah, that would be eight damage there, and then he would do a second attack on the next nearest skeleton when he gets close. Sixteen. Mm-hmm. They are not armored. Yeah, and another nine damage there. So, like, Roland is not going after them, but he's sort of, like, standing his ground, and if they get too close for comfort, he will just swing at them. The Channel Divinity certainly helps, though, because having a plus ten makes it way easier. Yeah, so Theodore is throwing fireballs. Roland is using a holy sword to smash them apart. Sylvia's kind of like cowering behind you. She's not dressed for battle. She's wearing like a chef's apron. <laughs> she thought you guys were just going to talk. Um, and she's like standing behind Roland and like maybe using her little wooden wand to do some like 
little spells like pew pew stay back <laughs> but she is not ready for world war skellington um and this is what Deltari sees as she approaches the scene there's a lot of skeletons but the the team is pretty uh strong right now even if there's only three of them and they're holding back the skeletons i stay at a respectable distance for the second and i use a thaumaturgy cantrip to raise my voice volume <laughs> by three times mm-hmm. and i just shout Bumbershoot, did you cause this? <laughs> Is there any response to my shout? <laughs> I mean, you're gonna, you're going to have Roland look directly at where you're shouting from when you mention Bumbershoot. <laughs> There's somebody else that knows Bumbershoot here. I, w- I was sent I was sent looking for Bumbershoot. Are you there, Bumbershoot, or is this someone <laughs> else's mess that I'm supposed to deal with? Are you there, Bumbershoot? It's me, God. Like, like Roland's trying to, Roland's trying to lift his voice to say, he's uh, not here presently. I'm going to use a uh, message as a cantrip, and I'm going to message her and be like, if she's close enough, and be like, he's not here right now. Can I take a message? Do you know where Bumbershoot is? Because I need to find Bumbershoot, and I don't want to get involved with your nonsense if you don't know where Bumbershoot is. I'm not going to tell you unless you help with the skeletons. I can always just go ask someone else for Bumbershoot. I'm loud enough. Someone else will hear me. Good luck. No one else likes him. Fine. And I, I, walk, I walk up towards the battle ready to go engage. Roland, I conned this person into helping with the skeletons. <laughs> <sighs> I'm assuming I have to roll initiative to come join in with this. Can if you want, if it'll, if it'll, if it'll, if it'll be fun. I get a one on initiative. <laughs> there you go. That's how ready you are. I I am critically missed, not ready. <laughs> I, I was muted because I was so excited about the bot. Um, so this is amazing. <laughs> it's because it, it very much represents uh, Veltari not at all urgently approaching the situation like they're in a pitched battle against two dozen skeletons for their lives and she just kind of strolls up and like the most casual possible way to come to someone's aid yeah like i'm you know i'm not here to save you i'm here to walk over and i guess this is the condition on which i get to find bumbershoot so (laughs) you know this isn't about the fact you're all about to die i just kind of want to know where bumbershoot is i guess you have a short sword, and you also have your guitar for bashing. What, how do you uh, how do you handle this? I'm gonna pull out that short sword and go for the skeleton that had fire thrown at it a moment ago. Okay, so smash that toasty lad. Uh, this is the bit where I have to check what I'm rolling because I suddenly <laughs> um out of practice at how do I do rolls. Uh, so that'd be what seventeen. Yep, and then you roll your damage. Yep, and. Seven. Alrighty. See, I like this. We could definitely have done all that in roleplay, and that probably would have been fun, but I like the way that this turned out in dice, because the the image is Theodora and Roland fighting for their lives, <laughs> Sylvia kind of cowering, and then you just lackadaisically stroll up, like, rolling your eyes, like, ugh, fine, I'll help if it gets me what I want, and you just, like, <laughs> slowly pull out your sword, and as if it's the most effort you've ever had to expend you just cleave the burned skeleton's head in twain <laughs> and then he just like turned to theodora and it's like 
I don't know what you say, but I, I do like I can picture the face very clearly. Like, is that good enough? Are, are we are we done yet? <laughs> is is this enough? Do I find out where Bumbershoot is now? Because this is more than I signed up for today. I mean, one nice job. Uh, two. Uh, if, if I'm being attacked by skeletons, I can't show you where to go, so maybe we can get- stop them attacking first? Like, I'm just saying. Can you really not deal with this yourself? As this conversation's happening, you're all still fighting skeletons, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> do, 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 do I really need to do this for you? It looks like you're here cause- it looks like you've caused this. Do you really need me to clean this up? I didn't do anything. The only reason I haven't floated away in a cloud of mist right now is because I would kind of feel bad for abandoning everyone, but usually I would. (laughs) You're here and there's a wall of wind and skeletons and fire everywhere. I think that you had something to do with this. I mean, yes, but I didn't, me, directly cause it this time. (sighs) (sighs) Fine. I resign myself to continuing to fight skeletons. Roland then proceeds to do some more attacks. Oop. Oh my goodness gracious. Another 29 and an 18. <laughs> <laughs> Sketch is just stunting. <laughs> He's like, listen, I-, I rolled a very good character. I want to show that <laughs> he can murder. I'm just showing you, pointing out that paladins yeah. get a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, this is actually really good for storytelling. So it shows that you are super capable and in the face of this kind of overwhelming odds, like, you don't even flinch. You're just like, nope, got to defend my teammates, and you just go to work, and it's really good. And also, you know, this witch who definitely did not sign up for any of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, when when Theodora was like, I could just missed away and abandon you guys, Sylvia, like, grabbed, like, the hem of your outfit and was like, don't you dare. <laughs> I'm going to pat her on the head reassuringly, like, I'm not going to abandon you, it's okay. <laughs> and so while this scene is going on there's just this kind of battle outside of the mansion which we should cut inside because chris has been waiting very patiently as zoe teleported into the yard ran inside the house with all of her new wild magic consequences so the polka music is gone you're not sure what triggered it going away uh the cloud is detached from you and is now like over the entire town and that seemed to be like on a timer like it was just growing and growing and growing and then it just broke free and floated off Uh, but the new ones you have are you can corrode stuff you're not sure exactly but you touch the doorknob and it melted you don't know if what the parameters of that are you might need to experiment and the other thing is you now have a tail yes chris what kind of tail do you have oh see this this you've given me a perfect opportunity austin because i knew it I hadn't considered it at first, but once it dawned on me, I was like, I, my character already is taking several levels to just becoming a Super Saiyan inserted into D&D. <laughs> and I realized if I give her like a chimp-like tail, that just completes another step of my character being a Super Saiyan because <laughs> they all have chimp-like tails before they get cut off because they usually turn into raging, you know, ape monsters. So monkey tail. Think Jumanji if you need a a visual example oh i am always thinking jumanji <laughs> i'm 100 percent always thinking about jumanji every day not related to this show just that's just how i am as a human um so you have an ape tail and uh your hands are dangerous uh and what do you do in hawthorne house because it there's ghosts floating around in here you guys know that ghosts seem to be attracted to strong magical sources but there doesn't seem to be any skeletons defending 
if there are no skeletons about, Zoe's going to start kind of running through the house trying to find Alice. And I imagine uh, calling out to her as well, saying, you know, like, uh, Miss Alice, Miss Alice. So you guys, you have a very strong familiarity with this house. So I'm not going to make you like roll to find out stuff like, you know, what's going on here, blueprint wise. And so you start looking around and yelling for Alice. And then you hear from the direction of the stairs, uh, footsteps. It sounds like there are two people coming down the stairs. Uh, Zoe will approach the stairs and uh, try to start going up if it sounds like someone's coming towards the stairs. Yep. So you just run over to the sound of the footsteps and you see coming down the stairs is Alice Hawthorne, the osteomancer with her dragon bone staff, a very powerful magical item. And you also see next to her uh, the Frankenstein together bone golem (laughs) called the caretaker, which is flanking her kind of like a bodyguard. And they are walking down together. And uh, Alice sees you because you just ran to meet her. And she says, uh, what is it this time, dear? I'm sorry. I, um, I, I really need to talk to you, though. It's important. I take it you and your friends are responsible for the security situation. I'm sorry. Oh, dear. Did I do something to you? Is, is this retribution? What have I ever done to you and your friends? No, and I'm really sorry about it, but uh, I really need to ask you about some things. Okay, okay, I guess. Look, it's really important. Has anything really strange happened around here or with you the, over the past couple days? <laughs> oh, man. So you have absolutely no context for the answer of that question, but the answer is hell yes. Um, she tries to... She tr- She tries not to let it show, but it does. And she kind of uh, looks almost like through you. And she says, I was so content for years until you showed up in my life. Why is this happening? (laughs) Look, I know what it's like to have a really bad day. So (laughs) I'm sorry if I'm causing any trouble for you, but this is something that's really important. And. I don't know exactly what's happening, but I know that you can help us figure it out. I will help you on two conditions. One, do not ever enter my property again without permission, you or your friends. I've had enough. These grounds are off limits now, and any attempt to trespass again will be met with lethal force. Condition two. I need you to send your associate, uh, Bumple Snoot, I believe his name was. Uh, I have a matter I wish to discuss with him. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry about any trouble we caused. And uh, Zoe's definitely got like the uh, like the head down, kind of like foot against the ground look of like a scolded child, essentially. Since that's more or less what's happening right now. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't make you roll any charisma stuff because you are a child and she seems like she is taking that into account. So she's she's being stern, but she's not being like cruel. So your background feature of like kid is definitely helping out here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then she'll say, uh, I can see about talking to Bumbleshoot, but the last I saw he was talking with the warden or the warden wanted to talk to him about something. She doesn't really know who the warden is that well because she doesn't leave. So she she probably would have a pretty strong reaction if she knew the full consequences of what that entails. But she doesn't. So she says, that's fine. 
I'll send him over as soon as I find him. Uh, in the meantime, could you tell me about anything that's happened recently? Uh, out of character, we all know that the way your investigation has worked so far is that you guys have been following these leads and they led you to Sylvia, who did like a fortune telling thing with tarot cards to say that you should come here. The answer is here. Mm. Let me be clear about that because last episode, I that tarot thing was real. Like I did an actual live roll for, for the Arcana, which is so terribly irresponsible that I frankly shouldn't get away with it. Like if there's any justice in the world, it should not be a valid method of storytelling, but it worked out perfectly because we got Hermit, which you guys all immediately recognized as a character. And I actually know exactly how she can help. So it's a preposterous amount of coincidence and luck that the way this has worked out, but asking her if anything weird has happened here doesn't really uh, jive with what you've done so far. Cause the theft was at the, at Tarsus. So there's no reason it would have happened here. How, how do you guys feel about like, a quick summary of the evidence so far? Would that be helpful? Yes. Sure. <laughs> I assume that you're inserting Phoenix Wright music around here too. Uh, one of the logic tracks. Okay. Uh, like, <laughs> there's a lot to choose from. All right. So the quick rundown is you guys found uh, scratch marks in the table at Tarsus, big ones. You found uh, some kind of unidentified liquid that had dripped there, and you found uh, teleportation magic residue. You actually don't know it's teleportation now. Theodora does, but it seems like two teleportation spells were cast, one in and one out. Um, then you guys found footsteps outside of a larger creature. You talked to Wolf the Troll, who had a suspicious scarf and a suspicious amulet, and you know that he stole the scarf. That's all you really know about him. He's didn't he denied under Zone of Truth being involved in the in the, anything at Tarsus, but there's still probably more to explore there. And then you met Sylvia, who told you that she had been by Tarsus, which is a a magnet for ghosts, and she had seen ishmael blood mountain with his pets back there but more perhaps more importantly she saw like a ton of ghosts and that she tried to pet them so this is austin to chris the solution is there and i don't want to play like guess what i'm thinking that's not fun but line of questioning needs to be different to get a, a viable answer yeah so the tarot cards are right she has it and all you have to do is help her see what what i've just basically uh, said to you you can i mean you could basically say so here's my problem and i don't want to like play your character for you and just like give her the evidence yeah um in in the interest of of time yeah saving uh, i'll say that she gives the the general lowdown on the case not necessarily every nitty-gritty detail Mm -hmm. uh, because i think she was polka music out of a couple moments (laughs) where she may not have actually heard things (laughs) <laughs> yeah which is amazing for a number i really liked that whole thing because uh, i didn't realize it while we were recording but in editing you were so consistently every time you met a new character in the background going sorry <laughs> <laughs> it was really endearing like, she cares so much about not inconveniencing people um so you tell alice hawthorne about your investigation so far and she says oh, well i'm not an investigator by trade but it seems to me that you and your friends have overlooked an obvious witness. Uh, who? The ghosts? Oh shit, you can talk to those! I mean, there are a number of ways to communicate with ghosts, but if Tarsus is full of them, and the theft was committed there, there's almost certainly a ghost who witnessed it. There, There is an eyewitness in town. I forgot these things did things besides just float around. (laughs) It's hard to say for sure which one you would need to talk to, uh, which is frankly not my problem. But 
the main difficulty will be finding one that wants to communicate because they all have such different temperaments and abilities. But if you were looking for a breakthrough, I guess I'm happy to report that the, the way forward is clear. You need to ask one of the people who saw the theft. Hmm. I guess that makes sense. I'm sorry to bother you about all this, Ben. I mean, I hear outside what I'm sure is a trying time for your friends, and uh, I apologize for that, but you really should have uh, considered your approach more carefully. Fortunately for me, the skeletons can always be rebuilt. It's been a bit of a day. It's been a bit of a week. Yeah. (laughs) This town used to be so peaceful and calm and just like a sanctuary to escape from the outside world. And now I look out the window and it's just chaos and dark clouds and violence. I don't know what has happened in such a short period of time, too. Must have been when they took prayer to schools. So that must have been what set this thing on the wrong path. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. I didn't have a tail until about ten minutes ago. Oh, dear lord. <laughs> Oh, Neptune. (laughs) She just saw that. Uh, So so actually, this is really interesting because uh, none of this is planned, but there has been like a marked transformation in this town from just like idyllic countryside through to your guys' specific actions. Theodore opening the chest, release the ghost. Bumbershoot turning the Hawthorns hostile has made the skeleton presence increase. The bad luck of the wild magic roll brought the cloud. Like you guys have completely on your own agency terraformed this place (laughs) and roland did nothing of it yeah that's true roland is a very good boy but we we started with like irish tourism pamphlet and now it's like wuthering heights in this fool we made it for the better (laughs) i guess then we'll be going if you'd be able to maybe call the skeletons off from attacking my friends oh of course sorry and uh, sh- she waves her staff. Uh, she's also going to say, do you mind if I sit down here for a minute? I just kind of need to decompress a few things. Oh, uh, sure. Can I get you anything? Do you have, like, a coat? I kind of made the rainstorm. Oh, child. You, uh, I can tell you carry a heavy burden. I, uh, I sympathize. Uh, she actually takes off a coat she's wearing and like drapes it over you. And she, there's like a grandmotherly kind of aura around her now because she sees you're like wet and sad on the floor. <laughs> and she says, listen, I don't know what you've been through or what burdens you carry. But if I have anything I've learned that I can pass on that could help you, it's that there's no use in running away from the things that haunt you. I came here to get away, and as you can see, I, I've i escaped nothing. <laughs> so if you can possibly meet whatever's dogging you head on, I would advise it, because it doesn't get better if you run. No, you're right, and I'm going to get back out there, but I uh, just needed a bit of a moment to catch my breath. Mm. You know what's funny? <laughs> I thought when I had time to catch my breath... <laughs> To relax in here, I would reach a point of, I guess, happiness, and it never came. I'm sorry. Huh. No, I'm sorry. It just occurred to me. 
It's just you think all I need is some time, some time off, some time to relax, and you always feel that way. <laughs> I think that's maybe what life is. Guess. That's not very heartening, is it? Sorry. <laughs> I'm, my mind is elsewhere. I'm a bit of a downer today. There's a lot going on. Nah, I'm used to it. Uh, if I find Bumbershoot, I'll make sure to send him your way. Thank you. It's, uh, it's hard to find people who you can trust. (laughs) And again, I'm sorry. Also about your doorknob, which I may have melted off with my hands. I don't know what's up with that, but. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. Excuse me. we gotta go. (laughs) Okay. And you just run out of this touching moment. Part of me pictures like the fight has sort of shifted for some reason, like Roland's like, like suplexing a skeleton or some other sort of nonsense. <laughs> yeah, please. You're mid suplex and all of a sudden they all just like sh- straighten up, just like go totally rigid and stop fighting. <laughs> like, like, like Roland just shrugs, drops skills and he's holding. It's like, uh, I don't know what got over me. See, I want you to be Brock Lesnar and you just go suplex city on all the skeletons, just one after another German suplexing them. Uh, I don't think my arms can take any more of this. Oh, wait. Yes, I can. Because <laughs> I'm very strong. Move on from there. Yeah, I mean, you guys can, if you guys want to have a conversation in character, and then whenever Chris wants to cut in and be like, it's me, I'm back. You guys can just do that. You don't need me. I, I, I think as soon as the skeletons stop fighting, I am straight over to Dora, just like, okay, skeletons are done. Um, So, Hello. Hi. Where is Bumbershoot? Oh, he's with the warden. Do you know where that is? I do not know who that is or where that is. Where is Bumbershoot? If you're going to go after him right away, you're probably not going to make much progress, just as a fair warning. Why not? Because the warden is an angel and uh, Mm. tends to not look upon... Mm. Certain folks favorably. I see. <laughs> That's racist. <laughs> that is racist. I'm used to that. That's fine. How does the warden feel about you? Because you seem to know who Bumbershoot is and where I can find him. If the warden's cool with you, I need you to take me to Bumbershoot because I did help you kill some skeletons. You can wait outside. Oh no, I'll come in, I'll face my demons, but I'll do so with, you know, people that are at least on speaking terms, you know, so I don't just get blasted out the door with angel magic or whatever, whatever he's going to do to me. The warden might be done talking with Bumbershoot, as far as I know, but there's still some one of ours that's in there that we need to collect first, as he pointed to the house. (sighs) Okay, okay, just... Deal with it. I did your skeleton thing. I need... I'm, I'm after Bumbershoot. The, I don't know how many times I can say this. I did your skeleton thing. I'm aware of that, though. To be fair, you are an Ilium. Being in a hurry is not really conducive to the way things work around here. Yeah, you're stuck. Hey, guys! I think we. Fa- I think I found out what we need to do! Sweet coat, Zoe! Thanks! I also have a tail now. I don't want to think about it. I do! <laughs> Don't don't ignore thinking about tails. Tails are cool. I sort of just whip my tail around a bit and just, you know, try and be like, tails tails are all right. Tail buddies. <laughs> right. I, I don't know what... Okay, you've, is this the person you were waiting for? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I know I'm not leaving Ilium in a hurry, 
But I am under the impression Bumbershoot is in a lot of trouble, and I have been sent here very quickly because things might be pretty dire for him. I don't care that I'm not leaving soon, but I need to find Bumbershoot soon. You got it? I'm aware. He's in a lot of trouble. I need to find Bumbershoot too. Alice wants to see him. Is that so? Yeah, but uh, to the point of what we were here for, Alice thinks that we should try talking to one of the ghosts that was there. Somebody who maybe saw what happened. Oh, that makes sense. Of course. Of course, but I didn't think of that sooner. Also, I can't do that, but that's beside the point. <laughs> so this is a part where uh, normally I think if this was like a sketch, I would just like let this play out. But I know Lauren well enough to know that she would probably appreciate uh, maybe laying this out a little bit more explicitly. Is that fair to say, Lauren? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so right now, Theodora has two ideas of how to uh, maybe get in contact or to deal with ghosts on a more one-to-one term. Uh, one is the spell she got from the rocks, which uh, she knows can subjugate ghosts, but maybe at the cost of doing some damage to the caster. She also knows that Sylvia has uh, illusory reality, which is not a thing I made up. It's actually a wizard feature if you take illusionist specialty, but she can make real things uh, unreal and unreal things real, uh, which may she can maybe like solidify a ghost and like get it into some kind of conversation. Uh, these two options are, but they both have pros and cons, right? So the rock spell, the pro is it both subjugates the undead, like Gondor told you, and it may even corrupt the caster. And you, your other, your other order was to corrupt the youth, and there are two youths in town currently. The con is that corrupting someone is a pretty bad look and there's probably consequences if you do that uh and then the other option uh with sylvia the pro is that it doesn't corrupt anyone the con is that it doesn't accomplish the the corrupting the the youth goal of gonador that gonador tasked you with right so it's only like half half of your mission so what i'm spelling out to you is that you have the tools to do this but you have to make some choices about how just whisper do it over and over again and just <laughs> yes <laughs> well i think i'm going to uh ask sylvia to help us with the ghost issue because while i do have gany missions i want to do them on my terms at my own pace and i think that's something that dora would do because she's small small yeah <laughs> that'll work She's very small. All right, so you tell Sylvia that you want her help in do- using her illusory reality to maybe make some ghosts solid and tangible enough to, like, sit them down and have some conversations? Yes, and I'll be like, also, if you make more ghosts solid, you can try to pet more ghost bellies. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah, I'm into that. That's kind of my jam. Um, it sounds like you guys have somewhere to be, so if I, if you don't mind, I'll go set up, like, outside Tarsus, I guess? Yeah. We'll catch up with you. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll be probably ready by the time you guys get back. I'll set up like a little, nice little picnic blanket and we can have some nice finger food and uh, let's, you know, talk to some ghosts. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm going to give her a hug. <laughs> she at first is a little surprised, but then she hugs you back and she's like, yes, friends. <laughs> I'm sort of very impatiently watching, just tapping my foot, being like, are we, is, <laughs> is it time to go yet? I, I could really do with going. <laughs> Sylvia turns to you, Veltari, and says, Oh, sorry, we didn't really get introduced. Uh, it's uh, nice to meet you. Hello, I'm Veltari. I need to find Bumbershoot. K- 
can we can we get this done with? I I'm sure you're nice, but I need to find Bumbershoot. For all I know, he could be dead. I'm being told there's a lot of he's not in a good position. We'll chat some other time. Thank you. Yeah, that's probably good. If if she, I I think she's devil, so if uh, that makes Bumbershoot tower, you probably want to get to him. He might be in some trouble. That's that checks out. Uh, good luck, everybody, with that. Bye, Sylvia. Bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. So I guess you guys take off for the sacrum, the the big white lighthouse like structure in the middle of town. The only thing I would note about your commute is that it's like pouring now like this thunderstorm is not abating it is in fact basically like consuming the sky and it's deeply troubling because there's not usually weather here i'm aware that like there probably shouldn't be weather in here like that doesn't jive with what i understand of the inside of ilium but i'm not worried about asking about it right now because it's not bumbershoot like, this is something that I will probably get round to asking at some point, but, you know, I, I don't want to distract from the conversation of Bumbershoot. Yeah, it's a side quest right now, we're critical pathing. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, w- one thing Roland does, just for fun flavor, is telepathically communicates with Trinity to get the horse to intersect with them so he can pull out, effectively, an umbrella from what the, what the horse would have in his satchels. Now you say umbrella, do you mean Bumbershoot? <laughs> no. No. No, I do not. Wow. We're not we're not doing that. No. I would I wouldn't be Roland would not be that cruel to use that as a joke for uh for the situation. But <clears throat> offers it and then offers it to to Veltari and just stating it'll be better if not all of us are dripping wet by the time we get to the warden. Thank you. Yeah, Zoe's a lost cause, and Theodora is, I assume, pretty jazzed? Oh yeah, I'm making sure to jump in all the puddles. I I take it, I appreciate the gesture, I don't break stride. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, I mean, I'm not assuming that you're going to break stride at all or anything, so. Uh, Okay, what what is your relationship to Bumbershoot, everyone? Because it seems like you're pretty tied in with this guy, and... He seems like he's in some trouble. So what? What's what's your deal? What's your deal? He he's an associate of ours. We're mischief buddies. I think he wants to eat me. He lives in our house. He lives in your house and wants to eat you. That sounds like Bumbershoot. Okay. He doesn't want to eat me. I'm too uh moist. I guess. I have too many questions right now. But I suppose what kind of trouble could Bumbershoot be in right now? Like. What hell have you unleashed in here, and what am I? What are we dealing with? If Bumbershoot is in trouble in any particular capacity, it's of it's of his own doing. I assure you. Okay, that that's honestly not surprising. Um, I would ask if he has any enemies in here, but this is Bumbershoot. He probably does. Just about. I think I'm the only person who actually likes him. <laughs> Okay, that that narrows things down, huh? Um, and he tried to eat me one time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. In either case, if he is in trouble, I'm not sure why he didn't tell me about it. But well, here's here's what I I, I suppose I should let you know what I know. He put a message out of out of this bubble. 
He called for Danto. He doesn't usually call for Danto unless something is very serious. I was sent here with the seriousness of get here right now or you probably won't be able to come back with Bumbershoot in the future. So he seems to have gotten himself into something big. That That's what I know. I'm now in Ilium because this is where I got sent and now I have to live in the bubble where it rains forever. <laughs> Out of character, um, does Roland know who Danto is? Uh, no, Leon said on air, so it's canon that none of you know who Danto is. Uh, I know that you probably don't know that, but I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there because it's like, okay, I've been open with you now. I, my job is done. <laughs> In either case, at least the warden will let us know where Bumbershoot is if they're still, if they're done talking and he's not there presently. We shouldn't be too far off from there. Uh, so you guys approach the big white tower. Uh, the doors are closed. You don't hear anything or see anything weird. So if you want to walk in, you can. Uh, before we go in, Zoe's going to like try to find like a, a stray rock somewhere. And she's going to try to pick it up and see if anything happens when she touches it. Oh, that's very good. So assuming it's just kind of like a rock rock, mm-hmm. just like a regular pebble, uh, nothing happens. Your hands, like, feel weird and tingly, but you notice, like, you touch your clothes, nothing happens. You touch other parts of, like, your hands, nothing happens. You pick up this rock, you touch the grass. None of these things uh, react the way the doorknob did. And I assumed you touched some other stuff, too. Just, like, you don't know what the parameters are exactly, but it seems to be limited to your hands. And it seems to be there is something about a doorknob that is different from rocks and clothes. Okay. Is it metal? Perhaps. Yeah, I mean, it's not a huge spoiler, but yeah, you got it in one. Mm. Swish. I was going to say, like, it's something that keeps secrets hidden, so... <laughs> it's, it's a metaphorical acid spell. I got a zen riddle power. That's right. <laughs> as, as we approach the tower, I just want to have this be the first moment that Veltari isn't just storming straight ahead, that she starts to drop back a bit, knowing that there's an angel inside. Yeah, just not not super hiding behind everyone, but just not quite as as trying to storm off ahead as she was. Yeah, and it's kind of an imposing structure. Like, it's a very tall tower, the tallest thing in here. And it's just like the spire to authority, right? And mm. you, you're you very chaotic. You like I imagine uh, just on on principle kind of find it objectionable. Yeah, like, there's there's a few things I don't like. I don't like order. And I don't like angelic judgment. You know, (laughs) judgment from, like, I'm so good, I'm great, I'm the best and perfect, and I'm a member of authority is pretty much, like, the least I want to deal with anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Judgment is a very good word. Mm Mm-hmm. So I I take it you guys walk into the tower? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. All right, so uh, you open the doors and... Uh, nothing catches your attention at first. At first, you actually think the room's empty, but then you see it like in the back pew, like as far in the corner as possible. Warden Light is kind of sitting hunched over, and on the seat next to him, there is a mirror, like a big, uh, like bathroom-sized uh, mirror that he has polished, and it's just sitting there. And he is just kind of sitting hunched over silently, almost as if in prayer, but. He's an angel, so you assume that's just kind of his default always in prayer, maybe. Uh, but you've never you've never seen him quite like this. It's weird. Roland's going to step on ahead of everyone else just as sort of a standard protocol thing and approach the warden without 
verbally making his presence known at first. He's not he's not quiet about it because he's clanking and dripping, but you know. <laughs> yeah. But he just sort of approaches and then finally says, You seem different today, even more different than uh before. Is something the matter? Oh uh, Brother Hawklight, you, you mm, he he seems like he's like struggling for words and you know that he can't lie, which is uh you think probably a relevant factor. Like he's trying to be very deliberate and careful as he formulates the following sentence and he just says some days the duties ask more of you than others i'm stood behind roland but i'm gonna just very directly ask because as you've seen <laughs> i'm very just i want to know where bumbershoot is so just yeah <laughs> excuse me i'm looking for bumbershoot do you know where bumbershoot is <laughs> <laughs> Veltari should get like knuckle tats that just say like where's Bumbershoot? <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. That'd be a very that would be a very bad idea long term, I suspect. <laughs> uh it'd be very good. But uh so you just burst in with that and he looks up at you surprised because he was basically just talking to Roland and he sees you and that you are a creature of fiendish origin mm. and he's more startled than any of you have seen him. It's not like an angel to betray the amount of emotions that are going on in him right now. And he simply says, uh, who, who is this, Roland? As he, like, stands to his feet. Roland raises a hand to sort of indicate, you know, you know in a defensive sort of manner, uh, this is a friend of Bumper Shoot's. Uh, out of character, out as far as I know. Mm-hmm. This is a friend of Bumper Shoot. Her name is Veltari, and she has come to Ilium specifically to meet with Bumbershoot for reasons that seem urgent. I was told that Bumbershoot is in a lot of trouble. I entered a city that I cannot return from. Where is Bumbershoot? Bumbershoot has been granted a great gift. A great gift does not sound like in a lot of trouble. Where is Bumbershoot? There is a perspective from which you could say he is in trouble. But for mine... He has been granted mercy and peace. Uh, doo, doo, doo. Let's see what insight tells me about what's going on. Nope, that's not going to tell me anything. <laughs> I rolled a five on insight, so Roland's just not seeing through the warden's words particularly well. I rolled an 11. Uh, so with an 11, I just want to say that, Theodora, you have seen people get arrested here before. Like, you guys have brought bounties here. And what normally happens is Warden Light kind of summons just like a length of chain from the ether and it kind of wraps around their hands and he leads them through the door in the back and just kind of like walks them away do you assume to a cell or something you would not associate that with like the words like gift or mercy or peace or anything it like seems like oh they're under arrest and they've been shackled and they're going to jail right so nobody rolled particularly well on this insight like none of you pick up the subtext that he is in custody your words are a bit more poetic than usual, Warden, if you don't mind me stating that. Yeah, is he always like this, or is this is this rare for him to be quite so uh, avoiding of telling me where Bumbershoot is? Warden Light, where is he? He is where he should have been a long time ago, which is away from the people he seeks to hurt. Have you killed Bumbershoot? For my sins... No. Wait, is he in jail? Did you did you did you jail him? Bumbershoot Von Victrola is a murderer. 
Are we able to see him? Uh, he turns to you, and you're just like a soaking wet little ragamuffin. <laughs> <laughs> his his ex- expression softens a little bit, and he says, uh, Sister Legrand, prisoners are not animals in a zoo to be gawked at. Even in judgment, there is a dignity to sentient life which we must respect. But what if someone needs to talk to him? The only thing Bumbershoot needs is to reflect on who he has become. Won't he die in jail? He's a vampire. He has to eat blood. Bumbershoot no longer needs to worry about that. Okay, okay. Um, here's, here's my deal. I don't want to mess with you if I don't have to. <laughs> is Bumbershoot ever going to come out of wherever you've put him? If this is a clear-cut no and there's no coming back for Bumbershoot, I'm done. I'll get out of your hair. I know you're not my biggest fan, being a tiefling and all. I've been sent here to go get Bumbershoot. Is this a fool's errand, Diamond? Just, just, just be straight with me and I'll get out of your hair. <laughs> Uh, I really appreciate... <laughs> this is Austin. <laughs> I appreciate the intent to cut through the bullshit. Unfortunately, Warden Light is very much a pontificating bullshitter. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm I'm well aware that this isn't going to go anywhere, but yeah. I'm still going to shout at this angel. <laughs> yeah. He says, Tyr is the god of justice, not of punishment. I have no intention of keeping him any longer than he deserves, but he deserves to be here forever. That is not my choice or my desire. That is simply who he is. This is great. This is great. Wonderful. I get here too late. Bumbershoot's already gone. I'm now stuck in the city where it always rains. <laughs> this is great. I'm sorry. <laughs> New Seattle. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I, I don't know that this is actually it rains forever. I, th- I think Valtoris just decided that like maybe the rain cloud got trapped in the bubble when Ilium was created. I guess it drifted in and can't drift out. Yeah, as as far as I'm concerned, this is just how Ilium is. It will rain forever. Uh-huh. At, at least you missed the polka music. <laughs> Do I even want to know? Roland sighs a bit and then just says, to "The warden, I will be back here at a later time to." perhaps gain some more enlightenment on this situation. But if it seems that there is no progress that can be made from further discourse, it might be best for for us to part ways for now. I look forward to speaking to you again. I actually have something I want to discuss with you, but yes, I agree. It's probably best you take some time to yourself and perhaps reflect on the company you choose to keep, Brother Hawklight. And he just looks at Veltari. Like, he's he's not even gonna hide it. Hey, hey, hey. If you're gonna come back and talk with this guy, probably bring me along. You know, he may not like me, but the last person who spoke to him alone apparently got locked away forever. Just before you get all high and mighty on me, you just locked someone <laughs> away forever. Remember that. Remember that before you go talk to this one alone. Roland's all gonna also try to take a look at the mirror thing, whatever it is, to see if there's anything unusual about it offhand. Uh... 12 on the perception on that yeah so you look at this mirror and it's um it is obviously like as clean as the laws of physics would allow because that's all he's been doing all day basically besides arresting bumbershoot um it is there's something eerie about it can i uh yeah can i just magic eye in on that uh yeah absolutely you detect magic that's something you can do for free this mirror is very magic like exceeding like 
improbably magical. Very, I'm running out of words. It's very, it's super hella magic. The most magical thing ever. <laughs> like mildly upsetting. Okay, I'm gonna grab Valtari's hand while she's in the middle of ranting, and be like, "Hey, c- come on, come on, come on!" Before you make it worse. <sighs> I'm, come on. I'm just sighing the whole way out as I follow you. I'm just. I don't know what to do with myself. Fine. Off we go. No last name squad. True. I I will happily join the no last name squad, I guess. As as they leave, uh, Roland's going to say to Valtari, I'll say, after we're done with our little ghost investigation here, uh, I can take you to Bumbershoot's room. You can probably find maybe... Some evidence there of what might have happened to him otherwise. So what got him in trouble. Oh, and since you're stuck here, since nobody can leave, you can live there. I'm not sure about living there yet, but I appreciate your offer to take me to more of Bumbershoot's things. We have an endless supply of crabs. (laughs) There's no way that can be misinterpreted. (laughs) Alright, so where are you guys off to? We're gonna pet some ghosts. Your intention is to go off and deal with ghosts. I... Roland mentioned going to Bumbershoot's things, and now that he's mentioned there's another avenue of going after Bumbershoot, that's, again, one-track mind. That's where I want to be going. You won't be able to get in where you are going into unless I'm around for it. So if you want to go into Bumbershoot's room, you're going to have to stick around with us a bit further, Veltari. Is is this really what we're doing? Am I playing follow, follow you around on errands so that I can go look at a probably never coming back guy stuff? Yes. You don't want to startle poor Winifred. <laughs> if a tiefling just walked into the headquarters, poor guy. It'd be rude to leave a witch in waiting out in the rain. <laughs> okay, okay. I guess this is what I do now. Okay, let's go off Bumbling Goon Squad. Let's go do whatever it is you're gonna go do today. Think about it this way. You might get to pet a ghost, and that's pretty cool. Not gonna lie. I'm kind of into petting ghosts. <laughs> it does sound like fun. Uh, so you guys make your way back over to Tarsus, uh, the hotel turned bar and crime zone. And in the backyard, uh, in this kind of grassy area, uh, Sylvia Bell, the illusionist chef, has set up kind of like a seance kind of thing going on. Like she put down like a picnic blanket and there's like a table and there's like a bunch of chairs. And she's basically like sitting and waiting and she's like flipping through cards while she waits and as you guys approach, she says, uh, so uh, how's Judgment? He had a weird, really, 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 really magical mirror. Judgment was more clouded rather than blind, it seems. Oh, I get it. Like a joke. Yeah, he tries. <laughs> cool. Do you know anything about really magical mirrors, Sylvia? Uh, I mean, I've seen magic mirrors in my time. The ones that make you look like really hot and the ones that make you look like have like a, a dog nose. Oh, he had Roland. That mirror was he- heckin' magical, like hella magical. Like it was disconcertingly magical. Roland just sort of shrugs briefly. In either case, we, uh, I, I didn't want to keep you waiting for too much longer. Uh, I suppose we shall try to see if this little commune here with the ghost bears some investigative fruit. Yeah, I'm pumped. You guys ready? Do it. Uh, so you guys all sit around at this table. I, I assume everyone's joining in. 
I, yeah. Okay, you guys all sit around this table, and uh, Sylvia says, all right, so what I'm going to do is uh, we're all going to join in and kind of put our essences out there and try to actualize some of these ghosts. Like I said, it's kind of like a soul bond thing. You give them a little bit of your materialness. It would be easy to use the word astral projection here. It's not the right word, (laughs) but it's in the ballpark, if that helps you think of it. So don't stray too far away and try to find... I, I would recommend trying to find whichever spirit speaks to you personally because as i found out if you just grab whichever one has like the most surface belly area you might get scratched okay so try to find one that you could really connect with that you think uh would be open to helping you so i mean we're trying to solve a mystery here i guess i want to help you guys solve the case but this is actually a lot about you does that make sense are we all on the same page Mm -hmm. yeah all right uh, so everyone hold hands. I hold Sylvia's hand. <laughs> okay. Anybody else want to specify? I'm uh, I'm going to specifically not hold Sylvia's hand so I don't accidentally burn any of her piercings off. <laughs> That's a very good choice. I hold whoever's hands are nearest at the time. I don't care whose it is. Ship it. Ship it. Ship it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and so after a moment, you guys all like bow your head. She doesn't really give you too much explicit instructions. So you're like, do I say a word or do I? And it's like suddenly uh, you all feel like a very strong pull upward kind of spiritually. And you are in this cloud of ghosts above you all around Tarsus. These ghosts are drawn to the, the strong magic here from the lilies who are very powerful magical creatures. And there's just like this maelstrom of spirits and you're in it. You're still in your body, but you're also in it in in a way. And now what I want to talk to you guys about is what kind of animals you most identify with, because the humans here are not going to be receptive to bonding with you, your souls, right? Humans are strong willed and they don't want to sharing bodies is bad. So I actually have a list of some of the animals specifically that I want to call out, but you feel free to add any, if any strike you. Um, There's also a lot of D and D stuff. So I have here written a bullet, which is kind of like a land shark thing. It's pretty cool. A rust monster, which is a kind of monster that eats metal. It's kind of like a bug. Uh, The periton, which is like a deer with wings. Uh, The cockatrice, which is like a big chicken that turns things to stone. Uh, A manticore, which is kind of like a lion with like spines. It's kind of crazy looking. And then a griffin, which I think you guys know what that is, like a bird guy um so you see those and you also see like just like regular animals like earth animals uh just kind of in this cloud and i want to know what is your spirit animal Hmm. i like the sound of the manticore Ooh! all right so veltari calls dibs on manticore and i just think i probably this is austin should point out this is not a cosmetic like small fun choice. This is a this is a turning point for this campaign. Like this is something that's been building since Theodore opened the box. I I am leaning towards Manticore purely because it's it seems aggressive and a bit spiky and just yeah. It just seems like a bit of an angry spike monster and I'm <laughs> I'm into that. I I do like Manticore a lot. I just want I don't want to it's going to matter, so I don't want anyone to regret their choice. 
I'm not going to stress about the long-term implications. I like the 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 big, scary, aggressive spike monster. Yeah, it's a lion covered in spikes with wings, basically. It's cool by me. I'm thinking the griffin for uh, Roland. What was the deer's wings called? Uh, Periton, P-E-R-Y-T-O-N. And I do want to say those aren't the only choices. Those were just the ones I pulled out of the monster manual that I thought would be kind of cool and unique above just like bird. <laughs> right. Badger. I mean, you could have a badger. If, if you feel badger in your heart, badger's fine. No joke. I was thinking about honey badger as a suggestion. <laughs> I wasn't sure if they exist in, in this specific law. <laughs> Everything exists until we say it doesn't. <laughs> so I mean, you, you could you'd have an Allosaurus if you wanted, or like a- yeah. So that's that's the reason. I'll, that's another reason I gave a couple choices because if I just said pick a monster, like first of all, that's not helpful, and second of all, I know some of you, and you would be like, uh, Tarask, give me the Tarask. <laughs> Can a swarm of rats count as a single creature spirit? Uh, so Manticore, Griffin. Uh, were you thinking Periton? You don't have to lock that in. Yet. I yeah, I'm pretty. I'm thinking that they're kind of uh evil. Is the thing about them? I don't know if you know this. They're, they're like deer with wings, but they're also like kind of uh violent and like they're metal. Yeah, I think it seems like the closest thing because I was looking at the bullet and they all they do is eat, which is like it's relatable to us, but maybe not yeah. to your character. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards the Periton. Okay, it also does look really cool. I like him. Uh, it seems weird that I'm drawn to it. I feel like it's only because I just got super corrosive hands, but I, I, I feel a slight inclination towards the rust monster because of that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rust monsters are uh, a real bitch to fight as player characters, but maybe communing with one might be useful. And there is a, a, an instinctive nature to it that it's not unconsciously per se, but it's, it's actively always kind of a detriment to the people around it because it rusts anything it touches, basically. Aww. So by that nature, it kind of, I think Zoe would have a slight kinship with that, uh, at least more so than any of the other creatures that were kind of brought up there. And after everyone else picked cool, awesome, like D&D <laughs> monsters, it could feel really weird if I'm like, I want to be a chip! <laughs> Orangutan, guys! I also think that a rust monster is very knowledgeable of swords and sword accessories, so it can... uh. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, swords and swords accessories. Damn it, Zoe. <laughs> this is the worst show ever. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, just a recap. Uh, it looks like Roland Hawklight is going with Griffin. Veltari is going with Manticore. Theodora is going with Periton, which I'm sure someone will correct my pronunciation of. And <laughs> Zoe Legrand is going with Rust Monster. I just want to make sure that's okay with everyone because it's about to go down. Oh heck. Do it. Yep. I hope the rust monster has a wacky accent. <laughs> so that's actually a good thought. Uh, so they're, these are all animals. So they don't have incredibly strong sapience. Like they don't uh, have like rich interior lives the way that we do. So like they have personalities, definitely. But they're not going to like monologue, right? They they have thoughts and feelings, but they're they're still animals. Uh, so what happens is you guys are just like your, your spirits are floating around in this ghost storm. You're trying to find the ones that call to you because those are the ones that you would most easily be able to communicate with. And you guys find your spirit animals and you approach them and like Sylvia explained, you kind of soul bond with them. You give them some of your materiality 
and in turn you get some of their ethereality, which is not a word, and I apologize for saying it. Um, but what happens is you guys basically bond to these ghosts and you feel like a rush of their sensations and memories. So you guys see what they have seen. And, okay, which of these ghosts saw what happened? That's a very good... What The most interesting thing here would be for Veltari to know what happened. Because <laughs> she's the one who I think would find that most useful as leverage. So Veltari, you and this manticore, your spirits intertwine, and you see an image of, from the sky perspective, this manticore ghost is flying around, and in, in the field, you see Sylvia, who is trying to pet a Drake ghost, and that's not going super well, and she gets scratched, and her, she's, like, bleeding, and she, like, walks off home to get a bandage. And also in this field, you see Ishmael Blood Mountain and his pets, Pip and Starbuck, the giant dog and the giant cat. And they're playing fetch and like Ishmael like throws what to him is a branch, but what to you is a tree. <laughs> and like they run over and they both like try to bring it back, but it's still too big for them. And they're having fun and they're being rambunctious. And then uh, the cat runs off and Ishmael goes after it. You know, they're just playing. They're having fun. And for a moment, Starbuck, the dog is left alone and you see it sniffing around and sniffing through the grass and it walks over to Tarsus and it's sniffing at the building and then it disappears. Mm. And you see from the Manticore's perspective that the dog's like vanishes in like a puff of what to you is like magic. He's just like gone. And then 30 seconds later, there's another puff of magic and the dog is back and in his mouth is a sheath. Ah, and he walks off. Aww. And that is what you see. And uh, as as this vision fades, you know how the sheath left Tarsus. But this spiritual experience that you're all going through is not over. Uh, as you all kind of return to your bodies, you bring those animal spirits with you. And so you guys are probably familiar with uh, some of these related fictional concepts. A uh, Patronus from Harry Potter, <gasps> Persona from Persona, stands from JoJo's Did Bizarre we just Adventure. Get fucking stands! <laughs> I'm so excited! I I joined this campaign at the perfect time. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so you all now have guardian animal spirits. I call mine Fat Boy Slim. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Fat Boy Slim, the roast monster. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't pick a lame animal now. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I don't want a tattoo that says Fat Boy Slim the Rust Monster. <laughs> but the way this looks is that all of you just look to the outside to be normal. You just look like yourself. But when you want to summon it, there's kind of like a magical tether. Almost like, um, kind of like thin cord like i'll think of it kind of like a spiritual umbilical cord and like wraps around your arm and goes up into this ghost animal which you can summon and it does what those monsters can do like rust monsters can eat through metal like manticores can fly and shoot spikes peritons can fly and they have like vicious attackers they tear out hearts and so we will figure out the math of some of that stuff before next episode but right now you all return to your bodies uh sitting at this table and Sylvia, like, looks at all of you, and she has the uh, she has the cockatrice, like the giant uh, chicken that turns things to stone. And she kind of like summons it on this ethereal cord, and she says, "Hell yeah, about to get all this belly." And she just starts petting on that belly. 
Uh, she says, uh, did that help? I, I think I might have what you're after, everyone. Give me the deets. I saw something of importance, or at least seeming of importance. You, you, are, are you looking for something that was taken from here? Am I right? The deets, woman! Your inference <laughs> is correct, Veltari. Okay. I know where this this thing that's been taken, this uh, sheath, is it? I, I, know where, I know what happened to your sheath. You'd have a fine career as a mentalist at this rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But there's, there's, there's a whole deal. Remember this. I need access to Bumbershoot stuff. I know <laughs> I'm going on about this, but I'm here for Bumbershoot. So if, if you're willing to give me a little bit of time and give a little bit of your focus my way, maybe you owe me a favor or two. There's all this time that we're wasting when we could be having you looking at Bumbershoot stuff to get some ideas about what happened to him. I'm I'm in less of a rush now. I know that Bumbershoot's probably not coming back from wherever he is. Whatever whatever urgent thing I was sent here to stop has already happened. I'm in no rush. I'll leverage all I want, thank you. <laughs> hey, can you just, like, give us the deets, though? <laughs> what does deets do? We're gonna take you back, and can we just get this over with so that we can go home and eat eat snacks? Agree to owe me a favor, and I'll tell you what happened. Okay, I'll owe you a favor. Oh my god. <laughs> Good. Glad we got there. Do you know someone in town who has a giant dog and a giant cat? Aw, oh, heck yeah. Okay. Well, whoever that is, their giant dog can teleport. The dog took the, the sheath, or at least had the sheath. It teleported inside, teleported back out. Now it's got a sheath. Hey, Sylvia, do you want to pet a giant dog belly? <laughs> she wasn't paying attention because she was too busy petting her cockatrice spirit guardian. But she says, uh, oh, yeah, I know Starbuck. He's a, a dire blink dog. Oh, well, that explains a lot. Yeah, he's pretty good. I like him. We're going to go see him. You want to pet his belly? Do you want to come with me? I mean, Ovs. Yes. <sighs> it does seem like a big dog can teach itself some new tricks. Oh, my Jesus. God. <laughs> uh! <laughs> There ha- has to happen at least once per episode. Yeah, at least once. That is that is that is part of bo- that's part of uh, Roland's character. There is just the the of the vain attempt at saying something witty and or terrible. Mm-hmm. That is a very good ending line, but something just occurred to me, and I have to say it so that other people can have it in their heads. Which is, I think you guys get up from the table and start walking over to the the fields where the giants live mm-hmm. to talk to Ishmael and his pets. And I think Theodora, you see on. Veltari's back. She has the guitar like strung over her back, and uh, there's like the manufacturer's label on this guitar, and it says Alona Industries. Ah! <laughs> Which is the musical cult from season two. I kind of want to keep the tradition up of casting wild magic and doing <laughs> wall and rolling after that last pun, but I feel like that's a rather extreme response to things. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I'm willing to accept that as a as as a consequence. Just like you just trying to push him over for saying something that that terrible. So go ahead. <laughs> no, oh god, don't encourage him. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's see. I guess that's just. <laughs> Why break tradition? Besides, I got Fat Boy Slim. I, I gotta be. I got, I'm ready for all this shit now. Are you? Are you serious? Are you actually gonna do wild magic? Or yes. Why would I not? It's a tradition. I'm excited for this because this means that Veltari gets to see whatever the hell's gonna happen here. Seven. Bring it. 
Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so Roland makes a terrible pun. What do you do to him to, to get back at him? I cast Windwall, which basically is the same thing I used against the skeletons. I'm just gonna like try to blast him back with it. Is it a strength saving throw to resist? Uh, yes. I will just attempt just for, for chuckles to see if I... 13, so I fail. <laughs> so you blast your metal dad. <laughs> um, and he falls over. Uh, and then uh, your hand is outstretched because you just did the spell. And suddenly the wind wall uh, kind of collapses in on itself in like a magical re- like reverse explosion and gets absorbed back into your hand. And you like feel yourself fill with magic as the spell like does some kind of like weird reverse thing to go back inside of you. And as you are supercharged with magic, Zoe Legrand gains a level. What? <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! Damn! Ah, oh, sweet. I told you some of them were good. <laughs> As always, I'd like to thank Overclock Remix for our music, which includes arrangements of Acoustic Jam at the Lucifer Alpha, an arrangement of Biohazard from Snatcher, Simply Be Grooved, an arrangement of Simple and Clean from Kingdom Hearts, and Poka Center, an arrangement of Pokemon Center from Pokemon. Executive producers for the month of May 2017 are Kirsten Haslinger, Accelerus, Joseph Timbrello, Jade, The Cult of Gorfanax, Irving Royale, Andrew Grothen, Paul Mullen, Finch DeYoung, Arjun DeConing, Luke Powers, Michael Goodell, Brent, Tarka, Melissa Nielsen, Shyness, Dennis Pancake Detlefsen, Riptor Stormwolf, Miko from Finland, Dennis Bangston, Josh Mosier, Indigo Van Dane, James Bevan, Allison Ansel, Sydney Marsing, Just a Jester, John Potts, Kevin Dobbins, Savard and Akrasimova, Carl, Brady Warner, Kitty Foe, James Neely, Eugene T, Marissa Donaldson, Melanie Joe, Lana Seawolf, Toby Gleason Stack, Ruby Offer, Matthew Weber, Sarah Hanley, Melissa Booker, Cameron Abbas, Dylan, Gary Sayan, Anna Stuhlfarer, Sean, the host of Funk Dunk, Giorgio Renna, Harrison Andrew, Kevin Sidlow, Christopher Charlo, Jorit, Viger Arnston, Cody Jackson, August Rue, Athos, and Ingmar Gremmen. If you want to join this list, you can support the show at patreon.com slash austinyorski, and you can also support Leon at patreon.com slash renegadecut, and you can find Chris at patreon.com slash recap. And you can find our new player, Laura Kate Dale, at patreon.com slash Buzz. There are other ways to support the show, too. As you can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, and probably other places, and like, comment, and subscribe there. Your support helps make the show grow, and your enthusiasm helps to encourage us to make bad decisions.